Welcome to the Edge Podcast, your home for recruiting news and team analysis inside the Oregon State Beavers football, basketball, and baseball programs. BeaversEdge.com is the authority on all things Oregon State athletics. Now, here's your host, BeaversEdge.com editor, Mike Singer. Hey, what's up, Beaver Nation? This is Mike Singer of BeaversEdge.com, and joining me as usual here on the Edge Podcast is my man, Brendan Slaughter. Brendan, how's it going in Corvallis tonight? Oh, well, it's a sunny, beautiful 55-degree day, and for all of us in here in Corvallis, sunny is the key word, so it's been a great day so far. All right, good to hear, man. Uh, So we're recording this on uh, Wednesday night, April 18th to post on Thursday morning. Um, so hope you guys are having a great uh, start to your day. Brendan, something I wanted to talk to you about. So we started Beaver's Edge back in August of 2016, actually the day before the Minnesota game. And you have been to, and I was thinking about this today, you've been to every single practice that's been open to the media since then except for two. There's one one fall practice on a Thursday this past year, and then there was one spring, this first spring practice last year you missed. So I think there's two days you've missed in nearly two years. Maybe you've missed another one, I can't remember. But um, So you've gone to so- countless practices under the Gary Regime era, uh, Gary Anderson era, sorry. Um, obviously you've been to all the practices under the, this um, Jonathan Smith era so far, um, nine practices in. Talk to me about some of the differences um, in the Gary regime and the Jonathan Smith regime just in terms of covering practice. Kind of fill us in with what it's like as a media member, you know, comparing those two. Well, uh, as, as far as a media member goes, it's a significant change. Um, you're used to the Gary Anderson era where you were getting 20 minutes or so after football practices to the point where you were – you know, you, you showed up to watch 20 minutes and you got to see 20 minutes and whatever the coaches put on in that 20 minutes, maybe it was factual, maybe it wasn't, uh, that was what you saw and you film. Now coaches can't really, they can kind of vanilla things down a little bit, but they can't hide what they're doing if they're allowing a media two and a half hours the entire practice now. So really, it's it's out of the, it, that part is the significant most difference. And um, as a media member, I feel more respected um, with this uh, regime just because the coaching staff, I think, places a higher emphasis on mutual respect, mutual respect given, and they're up front, they're honest. Uh, the support staff that um, always say hi to us when we walk in and out of the pro throw practice fields, I mean, it's, it's a fun place to be for two and a half hours. I mean, is there some real pros and cons? Because I look at it as, um, you know, I, I, I understand the Gary regime – Gary, I can't speak. The Gary Anderson regime in terms of media. Last 20 minutes, you get your interviews. It was um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Tuesday was offense, Wednesday defense. Thursday was head coach. I, I didn't mind that. I thought that was good. Um, this media coverage is a lot different. So I think two or three of the 15 days for spring practices are completely closed. So absolutely nothing. Yep. And then like three or four are just interviews at the very end. So no media gets to watch practice, just interviews with, um, you know, one day it'll be offense, one day it'll be defense, and then, you know, Coach Smith sprinkled in here and there. And then I think it's eight or nine days media gets to watch, like you said, the whole two and a half 
hours. Just kind of talk to me about the pros and cons of you know what you were seeing in, um, in terms. Because I, I really don't think the Anderson regime was that bad, um, honestly, in terms of letting media watch. I thought it was um, ideal, honestly, to watch just the end of practice. You were watching mostly scrimmage yeah. stuff too, right? Yeah, and I get that. Um, I, I think the access is a little different. I mean, I'm not pers- I wasn't personally a fan how the Anderson era had done one thing for so long and they thought they didn't want us to see their offense and they moved us halfway last year. I mean, I thought the last coaching staff was extremely media paranoid. And I think that they were, you know, maybe not the best uh, in terms of their relationship. The relationships are great. I mean, you have like Jonathan Smith's support staff. I mean, I, I don't know his name, but a particular individual that I see on every day comes over and he gives, you know, Keenan and myself, you know, high five and says, it's great to see you guys here. I mean, there's just, there's just a family feel, and that's all start at the top with Smith. It's just you, you want to be around it. It's really just intoxicating, and I hope that's and I think that's why rather his players that we've talked to love being in this program. So when you get to watch the two and a half hours of practice, you get to see a lot of stuff. I mean, the guys going to get water and yep. interactions that might not be during the drills. You know, in between kind of stuff. What is that like, and how much different is it compared to how the guys were last year and the year before? Well, I mean, you know, it's as far as like those little things go, you know, it's funny because the most notable thing is, um, you know, sometimes in between drills, you have situations where guys have a few seconds where they usually like look around and, you know, they're not in the middle of a drill. And, you know, that's kind of the thing where, you know, a lot of guys that, you know, uh, Keenan and I know or others will always just, you know, throw a little wave over or say hey or whatever or guys are always you know talking and pointing out plays and laughing and um sometimes there's a lot of dancing a lot of dancing goes on at practice christian wallace is busting a move every chance he can out there um you know it's just in the little downtime they're sometimes a little goofy but once that whistle backs and they're back in they're so wired in and locked in to the point where they don't it's it's blinders which is a great way to practice in my mind yeah i think that last part's really important that it's not just goofing around the whole practice and that they're actually taking practice seriously you know there's time for fun and there's time for uh, actual practice uh just last thing about this is um you've interviewed now i think most of the uh, assistant coaches what have you thought about your interactions with those guys uh, in Wednesday's videos? Um, you did talk to Michael Petrie, and I thought that was a really good interview. I mean, man, he um, wears his emotions on his sleeve. I felt like was a really uh, good speaker. Um, what have you thought about uh, your interactions with those coaches? Well, I mean, obviously Michael Petrie today was a really good interview. Uh, um, I also really liked, and, and Mike, I'm, I know I'm going to uh, mess up on the name here, fudge the name. Uh, the defensive line coach, Ligi, I'm not going to be able to get to the second part. Do you know it? Uh, if you would have asked me yesterday, but not now on the spot. <laughs> it's, it's tough. It's, it's, it's ho- however you pronounce it, I, I just don't want to botch it. He was a really nice, really nice interview. Uh, first thing he said to me, he asked who my name was, where I was, uh, what outlet I was with, and then said, you have a two-question limit, so make it count. <laughs> so uh, and then just, you know, was a really nice guy. Um, but my favorite coach so far to work with, other than Jonathan Smith, of course, has been Brian Lindgren. I really like Brian Lindgren. He, um, he's just, he's very young. He's very energetic. He's got a real kind of like almost millennial-ish kind of vibe to him, and he's very smart. He's very adaptive. 
And I like the way he coaches out there. He carries himself with a great confidence and, you know, really kind of strikes me as having some of the same personality as some of those younger coaches that are succeeding right now, kind of like a, almost like the kind of manner of like a Scott Frost guy, just very, very confident, but he has the game to back it up. And I really like that and respect him. That's, that's definitely a good thing. I feel like, uh, the last offensive coordinator the Beavers had was not a real media savvy guy. So good to hear uh, on that front. So I want to move into a little game. Let's play. So um, obviously, like we said, you've been at every spring practice along that the media can cover, of course, along with um, uh, Keenan Punkocher, one of Sherwood's finest, along with yourself, Brennan. Um, so I that. wanted. To, I got a list of. Let's see close to 15, 12 or 15 guys. I want you to tell me, um, is this player's stock up? Is it down? Or is it just about neutral? Um, so um, I wanted to go through these guys, and um, I feel like some of these guys people want to know about and want to hear about, uh, our, our readers and subscribers want to hear about these guys. So uh, first, let's go to the quarterback position. Aiden Willard, redshirt freshman. Uh, what are you seeing from him this spring? Because I'm sure you didn't really get to see him last year during the fall unless it was just scout quarterback duty. So what have you seen from Aiden Willard so far? Aiden Willard, I'm going to have to go neutral, leaning towards down. Uh, I feel like he was kind of given a fair shake and really hasn't stood out very well throughout the first couple um, spring practices. Uh, obviously, he was given a clean slate. I, a lot of Beaver's Edge subscribers were really high on him, as my me as well, after the end of last season. But he hasn't done enough in my mind to stand out just yet, Mike. Let's move on to Calvin Tyler, another recruit for the Beavs in the class of 2017. Of course, probably should have redshirted last year. Um, didn't really see too many uh, touches. Of of course, I mean one all of, the guys one he was. Of, one of the bigger mistakes of the Gary Anderson regime, for sure. Yeah, I mean just all the guys he was behind last year. So yeah. uh, stock up, stock down, stock neutral for Calvin Tyler. Stock up, uh, Calvin Tyler, because Artavis Pierce has taken very little reps. I mean, you're talking our, um, you scrimmage a little bit up in Beaverton, very little reps for Artavis Pierce. And with that being said, I say Calvin Tyler's stock is definitely up because he's really been the featured back. Trayvon Bradford, a guy that uh, I think was well, this is junior season already, um, and uh, he hasn't really got targeted too much in his career. He's made some spectacular catches when he's got the ball. Uh, what have you seen from Trayvon Bradford? You know, stock up, stock down, stock neutral. Uh, for Trayvon Bradford, I've definitely seen stock uh, down or neutral just because he hasn't played. He really got hurt early in spring practice. He's actually been sitting at, sitting out now for, I want to say, coming up on about two weeks. So not enough to see from him to say that some of the younger guys maybe aren't passing him. Isaiah Smalls, true freshman, early enrollee, class of 2018, uh, vocal leader on Twitter for the Beavs. Uh, what have you seen from Smalls? Of course, maybe uh, another situation with some of the other guys, that, the younger guys at receiver uh, are playing more because of injuries to a guy like Bradford. Smalls has to be getting a ton of looks with uh, Thule and Noah out. Stock neutral for Isaiah Smalls because he hasn't been consistent enough in my mind. He's gotten a lot of reps, and he hasn't looked very good in terms of just being a blocking tight end as far as it goes in practice. He actually dropped a wide open touchdown pass in a couple of the script or in the um, uh, practice last week didn't look very good in the scrimmage in my mind uh, actually this tight end guy that's really been more of the standout has kind of been Quinn Smith so far I think Smalls is still learning the learning kind of the ropes of what Mike Riley's wanting out of him having being an early enrollee uh, spring 
true freshman that that has to be huge um, yeah to, to have that uh, experience under your belt um yanni demo jauntis uh interior offensive lineman what have you seen from him uh, Yanni Demo Durantes definitely got to give him uh, more of a stock up because he's starting to trend like he's going to start on that offensive line. He is really kind of settled into that right guard role. And uh, personally, he's got a big body. He played a little bit of center the last couple years. I think that's a great place for him to settle in. Cami Dope was a guy who was kind of inserting himself into the uh, starting lineup, you know, towards the last half of the year in 2017. Um, what's his stock right now? Stock down a little bit. Uh, Cammy is a great guy. He's uh, one of the guys I know better on the team just from the no- numerous times we've interviewed him and whatnot. And uh, I got to say so far that uh, he, he hasn't really been with that first unit. He hasn't been there. And for me, that's a little, I, I don't know. He hasn't gotten as many reps, and I'm not sure if that's just going through the motions right now as they're still trying to figure out. But he really hasn't ever been with the first team rotations. Interesting, interesting. Let's move on to the other side of the ball, Elu Adon. Um, I mean, if the Beavs' defensive line is going to be improved, which I guess you can only go up from what we saw last season, but he's got to play much better. What are you seeing from him this spring? Uh, in terms of Elu, I mean, uh, we interviewed him last week, uh, him and Kalani Vakame Lalu in our double interview, and Elu Aiden seems to be uh, a little bit more mature, I think, than he was in the past. I think he was kind of maybe a little immature and not quite realizing what he needed to be able to play defensive tackle for 12 football games. I don't think he really knew what it was going to take mentally. I think he's done a lot of growing up in the last couple of years and to the point where now he's like, you know, I'm a junior and my presence, I need to be on that defensive line and be that nose tackle for all four snaps of a series. And more than that, if I'm going to help my team win and that's really led him to get better in shape, he knows he still needs to get in better playing shape and I'd like to say his stock is up because uh, his leadership, from what I've been hearing, is uh, much more uh, vocal this year with the young defensive lineman. Follow-up question to that. Elu and Kalani, how good of shape do you think they're in right now? Kalani, great shape. Elu, still not quite there yet. But after, if he commits to this summer program and works out over the summer, and by the time fall camp comes, or by the time fall, really, if they play Ohio State, if Elu keeps working, he looks like he's getting into the best shape of his life right now, and I think Kalani's already there. Shamar Smith, um, been an outside linebacker, maybe switching to inside linebacker. Have you seen much from him? What's kind of his talk? Uh, definitely going down. Uh, Shamar Smith, I just I haven't seen him really figure a lot into the equation. Obviously, he's um, been there and and has had his moments. I just I haven't seen enough. I haven't been like. You know, because we're watching practice a lot, and there's always, like, those ooh and ah moments. You haven't had too many times where, like, Keenan and myself have looked to each other and said, man, that was a great play by Shamar. And I'm not to say that he hasn't had those. I just don't think he's done enough to really say his stock has gone up, per se. Jonathan Willis, I mean, he's a senior this year, a lot on his shoulders to lead that linebacking corps. What have you seen from Jonathan Willis, a guy who's played both inside and outside backer in his career? Well, I, I think Jonathan Willis, is uh, he's really been speaking his mind so far this uh, this spring. He's been in the uh, interviews that I've heard um, with uh, other media outlets and whatnot. He's really kind of stepped up and been like, I'm going to be the leader of this team and kind of really embrace that role. And um, as far as they need, I mean, Willis is the most experienced linebacker, and he follows the line of linebackers that are seniors that are supposed to be those leaders, whether it was Manasseh Hulalu, Caleb Salo, 
he's got to be that guy now. So I think he kind of realizes that, you know, he needs to be the most grown up in that linebacking core. Let's end with three uh, 2017 recruits, uh, former 2017 recruits for the Beavers. Uh, three defensive backs that I liked a lot um, in that class. Start with Caleb Hayes. Um, you know, a guy that was a scout team quarterback at times last year um, to emulate the opposing team's dual threat quarterback. Uh, Caleb Hayes, cornerback, what have you seen from him? Uh, stock neutral. Haven't seen enough. Uh, played some defense early, but guys have gotten healthier again. So I haven't seen enough uh, of him practicing. Plus, uh, the defense has still been on that opposite side of the field. Not a lot to see for the younger defensive guys. Trajan Cotton. Uh, Trajan Cotton, I'd say stock up. He's made some nice plays this spring, including a couple of really nice interceptions. Um, he's stood, he's definitely stood out a little bit stock up. Now, Jeffrey Manning, I'm sure is a stock up guy too. He's been making some plays stock up. Absolutely. Jeffrey Manning has been playing very well in the, in, uh, the safety role alongside Jalen Moore. And if the, uh, season started today, he would start alongside Jalen Moore. He's playing that well right now. Uh, David Morris, absolutely in flux. I'd say there's more than a 50% chance he does not play this season, as you've already, you know, reported on Beaver's Edge. And it, I, I just, I don't, I think Oregon State's going to have to go with some different options there. And I think Jeffrey Manning is ready to prove why he was such a big time recruit. Yep, former UCLA commit there for Jeffrey Manning. So let's move into a, kind of a mock depth chart slash two deep kind of deal. Um, you, you're seeing these guys, you're seeing the first-team rotations, and I'll chime in a little bit for basically what I'm hearing um, with, with some of these position groups. But quarterback, um, let's go three deep. Who are your top three quarterbacks? Jake Luton, Connor Blount, Jack Coletto. Yeah, see, I, I'm going Luton, Coletto, Blount. Uh, I think that when Oregon State brought in Coletto – I honestly think that the thought process was we need uh, – I think Jonathan Smith wanted another one of his guys. Like I think Smith came and really liked Luton and wanted to bring in a, a, a junior college quarterback to kind of you know push him a little bit but also have some extra depth. Um, so I, I think the staff really likes Coletto. Um, yeah, I just I'm I'm really I'm really like I said that that scrimmage in a mountainside this last weekend completely changed my opinion on Connor Blount. I always reported and I wrote that big feature on him last year, um, where you know I said that uh, he I've been saying I think he has the best touch and best deep ball on the team, but it's really struggled with his reads. He's been very shaky and hasn't really you know earned the uh, respect to go back out there. But I tell you what, he's looked really really good these last couple practices, and he's been the second guy getting the reps lately. Got it. Yeah, you've been high on him since his uh, true freshman season in terms of you've been saying he throws the best deep ball on the team. Running mm-hmm. back, let's go three deep. Uh, I'm sure you got Artavis Pearson, one. Who you got, yep. two and three? Uh, I got Calvin Tyler, number two, and I got Christian Wallace and or B.J. Baylor at th- uh, th- or at three. Um, we'll see how that shakes out, but it's it's like we saw last year. It's tough for more than really two, three guys to get the, get the, you know, the carries and Wallace is fighting for those carries, but then again, Baylor's look nice too. So there's going to be a bit of a crowded backfield for sure. Do you think Wallace could be just a guy that they could throw in here and there, running back, throw him a swing pass, a screen, just kind of get the ball in his hands? He's starting to look like a guy that I think is going to be might be the third down running back. He's just 
he just possesses um, uh, the ability. Like you know, it's just the he possesses things that other people just don't have. I mean, Christian Wallace, as you look here, he's six one two twenty two, and he's he's a very physically built guy. And to have a guy like that at running back, I mean, it's it's that's intimidating. And I think Oregon State could use that to their advantage because he's a tough runner. And Michael Petrie today talked about him, really liked him. And, and you can check that video out at Beaver's Edge. But he really liked Christian Wallace, had a lot of nice things to say about him. Let's move on to receiver. Give me your top four guys. Isaiah Hodgins, Trayvon Bradford, Timmy Hernandez, and Colby Taylor. Now, do you have T- Hernandez as the number three receiver? I do. Oh, so you got Trayvon Bradford over Hernandez. I mean... See, I, per, this is me. I got Hernandez one. I love Timmy Hernandez. Hodgins two. I mean, you're one and two. I got so basically I got Hernandez and Hodgins on the outside. I think Bradford um, playing his slot role, um, and then um, who you got number four? I know that's probably a tough one. Uh, Colby Taylor, definitely. Colby Taylor. Okay, I yep. know Ishawn Stewart might be a guy that tr- plays yeah, as he, a true freshman. A Rex yeah, Flemings he, will probably get some. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely Flemings. Um, hard to say. I mean, yeah, I'd probably go Timmy number two if you had to. If I mean, I was just kind of listing off Twist receivers. But. Yeah, but Colby had a great scrimmage at Mountainside. Yes, huh? he did. Yeah, he did. And Jake Jake and him got a real thing going. Um, I haven't seen that kind of chemistry and Jake talk about a teammate like that since he talked about Noah Togiai last season when he said those two just had a chemistry. That's the same way he spoke about Colby Taylor. Got it. Moving on to Noah. I'm sure you got him at Thule there at tight end spots. Yep, Noah. Nothing more to really say than we haven't already said it uh, with Edge. The other guys that are young are getting spots, but we know who the starters are. Offensive line, let's go left to right. Who? Are, what's your starting five right now? Got Blake Brandell, Gus Lavaca, Sumner Houston, Yanni, Yanni Demo Gerontis, and Trent Moore. How comfortable do you feel with that starting five? On a scale of 1 to 10. Yeah, like how good do you think they are? A 6 right okay. now. Got it. Right now, a 6. Let's go with defensive line. Um, who do you think, you know, for that starting group? I got Kalani Vakame-Lalo locking down that nose tackle spot, and I got Isaac Garcia and Jeremy Reichner at the two, uh, guard, or two end spots. But it's really hard for me to identify those three because, you know, right now it's been sometimes – Alu and Kalani down with Reichner and then Key Wetzel and Hamilcar Rochette are right at the edges to like hybrid defensive end. So it's a lot in flux, but if you had to pin me down to like three traditional down linemen, those are the three guys. Yeah, I think that's what what they that's what coaches do in the three four, that those interior guys, you switch them in so often. Uh inside linebacker, uh who are your two starting guys right now? Jonathan Willis and Andre Hughes-Murray. Uh, Andre Hughes-Murray is primed to have a bounce-back season. He played really well as a true freshman. Struggled last season uh, a little bit. And then Jonathan Willis, de facto leader of the linebacking core. Now it's, that's, he's got a lead. Outside linebacker, I'm sure Key Wetzel's a guy. I mean, he yep. got his opportunities a little bit last year uh, in place of Bright, who I guess we're going to leave off. We're going to leave yep. Bright off for now. Of course, he's suspended for spring because – Status is not really uh, solidified yet for the fall. Um, you know, to be who, determined. Yeah, to be determined. I'm sure you got Key. Who do you have opposite of him? I got Hamilcar Rashad. Uh, obviously, kind of. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't say disappointment last season, 
but uh, Mike, he cracked our list pretty high in he our did. preseason list last our year. Our top 20. He was number, I think, 16 or 17, and yeah. he barely played. So, yes, and there were rumors that maybe he would transfer, maybe he'd take off. You know, you heard a lot of things just around campus. He didn't play. And he's come back really focused this year, really focused, really dialed in. He's learned the playbook. I've you know, heard from the guys the playbook is a little bit more simple, but the fundamentals are high emphasis. So I think Hamilcar Rashid uh, is going to be a nice player. I really do. Yeah, one of the real gems, uh, the class of 2016, Hamilcar Rashid. Cornerback, uh, I know there's been a lot of injuries um, with guys being held out this spring. And, man, the past two seasons, the cornerback depth has been razor thin. Uh, I mean, what, Omar Hicks knew had to play some corner last year uh, just out of pure necessity. So, uh, you know, let's put injuries aside. You know, who do you like as your top three cornerbacks? Uh, I like Jay Irvine and I and uh, Xavier Cropper. Those guys are the two lockdown corners. If you're going to go with a third – uh, it depends on the formation and a couple and a couple guys. I think if you go small and you go Nickelback, you go Dwayne Williams. I think if you go with a third corner for like a Washington State type team, I think you're going to be going with a guy like Isaiah Dunn or Justin Gardner to give you a little bit more length. Safety. Um, so we got David Morris probably out for the season. Yep. Um, Omar Hicks, new I believe, has been limited this spring. Um, so I'm sure Jalen Moore, obviously he's a leader on the defense and a guy who's played a lot of ball. Um, so you're pretty much left with the three, uh, real underclassmen guys, uh, Charles Moku Watson, Jeffrey Manning and Trajan Cotton. Yeah, I got to Jalen Moore and Jeffrey Manning right now. It's, it's those two guys locked in. Uh, Omar Hicksonu has not really practiced at all. I have not seen him out there, uh, this spring, David Morris, like we said, I'd say better than better than maybe 50%. He doesn't play. I would not expect him to play this season, uh, just from what I've heard. So I think you got to lock in with those guys. And um, you know, as far as that goes, sometimes for a young guy like that, I mean, getting to a red shirt and rehab and be right, it's not the worst thing in the world for Oregon State to have another experienced guy come back in a year. Awesome, awesome stuff. Well, Brendan, appreciate your time, and thank you, listeners, for uh, tuning into this episode of the Edge Podcast. It's been a while, Brendan. I think it's been a few months since we yep. recorded our last podcast. It was probably during the football season. So happy to get back on the pod, and we'll do it. We'll do it some more. And uh, yeah, make sure to check out uh, BeaversEdge.com for your authority on Oregon State athletics. No question there. Uh, if you ever have any questions for the staff, shoot us an email, beaversedge1 at gmail.com, and I will personally get back to you. Thank you for so much for listening to the Edge Podcast.